Greetings, fellow investigators, and welcome back to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I play the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. I'm your host, Tom Rayleigh. Our scenario is entitled Homecoming. It was written by Thomas McKeon, who is also our game master. And this is episode 19. Thomas is going to do the recap. So, without further delay, let's continue our journey into the darkness. Thomas? You're listening to NBC Red, and now our evening program. Coming to you live from the Rockefeller Center in the heart of New York City, it's the Dexter Fowler Show. Starring Corey Heisman, Jeff Wilkins, Tom Rayleigh, Nick Swan, Ken French, and Wayne Worthy. Tonight's episode, Homecoming, episode 19. And now, for the recap. Gunfire, car jumping, traffic swerving action took place on the small scale last time, with a group of dashing do-gooders attempting to thwart a robbery attempt taking place at Transcontinental Import-Exports early in the morning on April 13th. They were brought there by some mysterious figure in Hawk's dreams, who he claims is Tally, but after the events of last episode, is Hawk truly reliable? Rushing from the scene, the crooks that robbed the shipping yard got what they wanted, but our heroes were close behind them. They rammed motorcyclists off their bikes at Red Hook, traded shots along Manhattan Bridge, and even performed some near-death-defying stunts, all culminating in a collision in South Manhattan. While the players were no worse for wear, save for plucky Tommy Anderson, the robbers were faring much worse. The driver, it appears, didn't want to be caught, downing something that left him lifeless. The passenger, who'd been clutching something in his hand during the chase, was near death. Hop took this opportunity to ask him a question in German, taking a chance. But the thug didn't speak German. It expired there on the street. Then, what the man was holding was discovered. A gold medallion of Orient design, with a beautiful gem set in its center. Strange lettering lined the ornament, symbols that resembled those found in Cecil Hunter's apartment all those years before. Tommy and William checked the back, finding nothing of value that the goons would have taken from the shipping yard, except the medallion. Our investigators then took off, rushing to Dexter Fowler's home for some sleep and safety. Unfortunately, they didn't find it. All the heroes, except for William, were awoken by the slamming of doors and the babbling coming from Hawk's room. While Dr. Thompson and Fowler went to Hawk's room to find him having some sort of seizure, plucky Tommy Anderson spotted that William wasn't breathing. Tommy tried to awaken William, who was cold to the touch, and Fowler tried to awaken Hawk. That's when Hawk flew up into the air, his face contorting into the appearance of a horrible demon. Hawk screamed out that the beast was here and that all would perish. None of them would survive. Hawk then collapsed into the bed, onto the bed like a rag doll, while Fowler ran from the room screaming, and the respectable Dr. Thompson curled into a ball and sobbed. Manly, of course, listeners. William awoke there on the couch just as the, there was a knock on the door. Who could that be, you ask? Why, none other than Amelia Court, Miskatonic Professor of History. She got an urgent call from one Lucas Baxter, the lawyer in cahoots with George Fulton, and a member of the mysterious Atlantic Sea Partners. Mr. Baxter told Amelia that Tommy was in trouble, that she needed to come down as soon as possible. Mr. Baxter also gave them this address. However, while the meeting was welcomed, matters needed to be handled. Believing a possible possession of Hawk, Fowler and Tommy managed to get hold of him and restrained him with a set of Fowler's handcuffs. What will Tommy and Fowler do with Hawk now? Is Amelia here to stay? How did Baxter know where they were? And what's the purpose of the medallion? Coming up on this episode of The Adventures of Dexter Fowler! All right, 
I told you this, I, I made it a page and a half. It's a lot longer than what actually happened in the episode. <laughs> Last episode, two things happened. Hawk got possessed and uh, there was a car chase. And I got chained up, so... And you got chased. So three things. A total of three things happened last episode. So we are going to start there. Amelia and William are in the living room. Thompson, I believe, if we if if we recall, you were you were okay. You weren't a hundred percent, but you were you were standing up and you were you know aware. Um, Fowler, since he's not here tonight, was knocked unconscious by Hawk, which leaves Hawk handcuffed on the ground. Uh, he can stand up. He's not, you know, you can run around. You can't, your, your hands are just behind your back. And then we've got Tommy standing over Hawk. What would we like to do? Well, Tommy's probably making sure that I don't get up. Yes. How are you going to do that, Tommy? Are my, are my, hand, are, are my hands cuffed behind my back? I imagine so. Okay. Unless, of course, we want to say that you're you're like hooked to like a radiator, which I mean, if we if we want to say that, we'll just say that. All you're right. Hooked to a radiator, so you've got a free arm. Okay. So can William maybe have the first action of 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 the uh, night? Uh, I didn't know that this was combat. <laughs> he, William says, Amelia, I've just found some maple syrup. Would you like that with your pancakes? Oh my god! I forgot about the pancakes. Uh, she 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 graces she gracefully accepts the maple syrup uh, for the pancakes. How do you know what's in Fowler's? Ki- oh wait, just kidding. You were in there. Um. All right. Yeah. So you're gonna go get the pancakes. Uh, what is what is Hawk and what is Thompson and what is uh, Tommy doing? Because William, you're off swooning someone else's girlfriend. Tommy, Tommy. Uncuff me. I can't do that just yet. I do think this is for your best safety and ours, to be honest. You, you don't know what you just did. You were possessed. You were not yourself. A load of crap. Ask anybody here. They'll, they'll back up my story. It's not like we're all against you. Fine, but you don't need to cuff me. Well, I th- I think I mean if we you were sleeping, so maybe it was just a dream reaction. I don't I don't know, but uh, I don't know. It's just I, I don't know. I don't know if you would take the chance if that happened to one of us. Probably not. Is Fowler okay? I hit him pretty hard. Yeah, he's bleeding from the nose. He's unconscious, but he, he when he when he comes to, he'll be fine. He's just kind of like limp on the ground, blood streaming from his nose. He'll be all right. Just got to find a place to get rid of the body. What about the professor? Is he is he okay? Why is he curled up? You know why I'm curled up? That man over there, Mr. Hawk. Loaded in the air. He said the beast here. Do you still want to go home, Professor? I wanted to go home ever since I set foot in this damn city. <laughs> do you see? Do you see, Mr. Hawk? This is this is Look, well, like, at least I'm I'm this is really an uncomfortable position down here. 
Why don't you cuff me to the chair? That sounds fair enough, Tommy. After the fuss and fight we just had to get you into the handcuffs, I don't think it's too soon. You just we need to make sure everybody's calm, everybody's relaxed. So I yank on it a few times. There are no more possessions ready to, to take place. Where's Amelia? Oh. Did she see the possession? No. Amelia was uh, knocking on the door just after the possession took place. Um, yeah, she well showed up when uh, Fowler and I were bed wrestling. Yeah. Which, so she heard uh, the, the Fowler yelping and Hawk saying, get the fuck off of me. Thompson crying, you wide-eyed, and then William making pancakes. Find out why she's here. I wasn't crying. I was just <laughs> uh, a little worried, a little concerned. But I wasn't crying. William um, tries to charm Amelia and say, Amelia, have you ever performed an exorcism? Uh, when you say that her eyes kind of grow wide, the whites of her eyes kind of take hold, um, it appears like, for lack of a better term, it's like kind of like triggered like a PTSD thing. Um, oh, okay. And she just shakes her head. Yeah, some people aren't as, as great as you guys when it comes to handling issues. <laughs> So she just kind of shakes her head um, and she just kind of looks at you, William. She looks forward and says, uh, is Mr. Hawk all right? What the hell's going on in there? Is somebody cooking pancakes? It smells great. With maple <laughs> syrup. Remember what happened last time you ate, ate pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> we we can assume that uh, and if that roaches are not an ingredient in uh, William's pancake. Well, if, if, well, that was that was only when he ate sixteen at the restaurant. Yeah. Um, so so let's, Mr. Hawk. So do you remember anything? You you honestly you don't remember any of that. It's just that I. Uh, I think I had some sort of a weird dream, but I don't honestly remember it now. Too much stress. I thought I was telling you about it when, after I woke up. But this possession thing you're talking about, I don't remember that at all. Uh, Thomas, can you just confirm? Did he... How did he threaten us exactly? Did he say just something like, I'll, I'll have your soul, or did he say, I would kill you all? I can't recall. Let's go back and reread um, what Hawk said in beast form. Um, you will, you. <laughs> yeah, his oh, eyes are, he, he, he turns back into the, uh, into the demon right now to, to say all. Terrifying. Um, Sanity roll. So, uh, you reap what you sow, mortals. The beast has returned to claim your souls. 
Soon it will be you that birds within the abyss and I that roams free. Slowly I take over each of you, your bodies, minds, and spirits bending to my will like a reed. Hawk has brought forth the beast, and no matter what you do, you cannot stop me. Yeah, I don't remember saying any of that. <laughs> and he specifically pointed out that Hawk brought forth the beast. So it's your fault. What did you do? Now, obviously, William wasn't around, but am I correct in saying that Hawk was involved with the kind of ritual thing before? Um, the one in Crimson Letters? Which one? Yeah, no, yeah. That was Mick's character. He, was he wasn't possessed, but Hawk is the one who basically stopped it. If you remember, you're the one that ended the whole thing and then the, the the being came out and it scurried and you ran away and then you ran back and then you ran away and then you ran back and saved Amelia. There was a I lot of running. Smashing, I remember smashing the mirror. Yes, you smashed the mirror and mirror and mirror. That's true. Let's Did that see. let the thing out? I don't know. Who knows? These... These demon creatures just make this shit up as they go along. Um. <clears throat> okay. What's? I want what? Thompson and because you're in the room, Thompson and Tommy. I want you to give me and Hawk. Give me intelligence rolls. I'm too mad. I passed, but seventy-seven out of eighty. Okay. You say the newest thing that happened is that medallion with the dragons on it. Yes. What about? I have touched it. You did, and you're the one holding on to it. You're also the one well, who had... Fowler took it away and, and was going to steal it and set it that's, on the desk over there. That's true. It is on the desk. What did uh, Thompson and Tommy get? Uh, 53 out of 70. All right, so everyone passed. Maybe this will calm you down, Hawk, because it may be a realization thing. Way back, months ago, back when we first started doing this, there was an episode, I can't remember if it was like two or three, you guys, most of you guys, I think all of you, went to go to the Jazz Alley. Hawk stayed at the, the, the hotel, and when he was at the hotel, something happened. There were movements and he heard things, he heard scratching, he heard whispering behind the door, and behind the door, he heard a voice and that voice said, let me in. And he opened the door and nothing was there. And when, you, when he opened the door to let you guys in, you guys saw like a crowded room. You remember that? I think it was episode I do. I remember it now that you say it. Sorry, did you say clouded or crowded? Crowded. Crowded. There were figures standing on the porch, and there were figures standing in the room. And Hawk ran out, and he closed the door. And when you guys opened the door, William and Hawk kind of felt a presence, but the room was empty. A man can't be blamed for what happened years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Game time. Oh, 
So if there's something out, we need to find a way to put it back in. Now we're getting into magic. I, uh, I should write a report to the uh, Arcane Society, um, but it's hard to write while I'm chained to the radiator. I'll write the report. <laughs> you sit tight. So I'm sort of so. sitting up with my back against the dresser and my hand chained to the radiator. Yes. Is there anything that anyone would like to do? I would like to speak to the professor away from Mr. Hawk. Okay. So you kind of step out of the room. Hawk's there, uh, banging on the... Just, just relax, Mr. Hawk. We'll be right back. Mm -hmm. I want pancakes. <laughs> we'll bring you a pancake or, or 10 or 20. Like bacon if they've got... If he's making bacon. Um, Mr. Hawk, do you... I'm kind of at a loss right here. I don't know... Hawk or, or Thompson? Uh, sorry, yeah. Uh, Thompson, right? Yeah. Professor Thompson, uh, I'm kind of at a loss. I feel like... I feel like I don't know what's going on as far as who's possessing him, how it even happened. Neither am I. But if you want to kill him, then that's... That is a uh, an option. <laughs> I say I say it kind of loud enough uh, for him. Like I whisper it, but I whisper it loud enough for him to hear. And I give him the shifty eyes over my shoulder. What I, I um, give him a smile, but I give him this crazy-looking <laughs> smile. Crazy eyes. Or at least that's what he's thinking right now. All we're doing is discussing, you know, who uh, who might be possessing him or who might have possessed him. But Hawk, Hawk might think something different. Remember, Tommy, that you're talking to a professor who's just lost the plot a few minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, I, I lost a ton of uh, of uh, sanity points last okay. last game. I, I did forget about that. All right, so I basically I'm just I'm just trolling for more information, um, and I'm just trolling him. <laughs> and I'm coming off this whole confusion as to. On one hand, I saw that William was dead on the couch, and I, it freaked me out. And then the next minute, he's up and about as if nothing is wrong, making pancakes. So that's got me totally confused. Over here, I've got this possession thing with demons and beasts and souls, and that's got me totally confused. So I'm really like, I'm just looking, I'm going to look at Amelia. Amelia. She looks up at you. What? Why, why are you here? She uh, kind of looks at you and says, I told you earlier. Mr. Baxter called me and said you were in trouble. I rushed down here as quickly as I could to try and, you know, see what I could do. If you were really in trouble, then you need help. But well, how did you find us? Mr. Baxter told me your address. I uh, I took how the first train. How does I, I turned to to um, to Tommy? How does he know 
where to find us. I bet you said this man was dangerous. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's... I mean, I don't... Judging by a man of his power... And, I, and I'm kind of like leaning in, trying to listen to your excuse right now. Yeah. I'll speak up a little bit. How, um, how, does, he, how does he know? I just, I think he knows everything about us. Uh, I think he's... How, how does that happen? You did say that he, he offered you quite quite a, a nice sum. Yes, he was going to hire me. Really? He was, was going to hire you. Was it was it to uh, spy on us? Was it to tell him where we were? Was yeah, no, well, I think it was just strictly a move to get me to go away, or all of us, uh, starting with me, because he basically, he wanted me to leave right away. He wanted me to go back to, to, to school, to college. Uh, I, I tried to drag him along a little bit, but he, he must have seen through it, because then he... He basically threatened us all, I think. I don't know. Maybe maybe he's got eyes on Fowler's apartment. I mean, he clearly, he knows Fowler. He knows who he is. He's got to know his address. But the fact that how he knew that we were here, that's the only thing I can think is that he's got somebody watching the apartment in the house. I roll a psychology on him to see if he's telling the truth. Uh... Um, can I take a penalty die on that? Brilliant. Sure. He's, yeah, why not? He's completely paranoid. Okay, so that's a 17 out of 60. Can I roll to see if my feelings are hurt? Oh, and I rolled another 17 out of 60. So I guess I'm believing you right now. You, you kind of calmed me down. I'm like, okay. I'm like, all right. Cup of tea, Mr. I'm like that. That makes, yeah. What happened to my tea? I'll make you um, a nice cup of tea. William has okay. begun coming down okay. the uh, the walkway. He's got a a thing of pancakes for Hawk. Okay. Yeah, I, I was gonna give. I I meant to say that I was gonna make Hawk pancakes because he's smelling all the good food, and maybe there was some bacon there, so you get a little rasher or two. So. So he's walking by us. Uh, yeah, you guys are kind of in the hall, and he's kind of walking towards you. All right. Can I can I roll a dexterity with a <laughs> penalty? <die? Okay. laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, can I have William also give me a uh, a listen? All right, I got a ninety-eight. So as he's oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I failed. Okay, so uh, Mr. Wayne, you failed. So w what happens? So as he's walking down the, the hallway, I go to sort of move aside, but I'm being a bit clumsy about it. And I trip and I fall over him, making him spill the pancakes. <laughs> okay, he's, he spills the pancakes. Um, oh, William, William is really angry. He just... Mr. Hawk was obviously been through a trauma and he was hungry, smelled my good cooking. Um, I, I call, William looks at Tommy like scowl and then I look over at the Tommy gun. What was that noise? Is everybody okay out there? Um, yeah, don't worry about it. 
Uh, can William kind of salvage the pancakes? Five seconds. Uh, if he's okay with four pancakes. Put my footprint on it. Is is Thompson deliberately doing an Abbott and Costello routine, or is it just an accident? It looks like an accident. (laughs) Okay. So, oops, I'm... You're not going to do that pancake, are you? (laughs) No, not now. All right. Um... And as I'm straightening up, I, I apologize profusely. I'm so sorry. I mean, I, I, I don't know what's come over me, and then my hands are shaking. And I'm, I'm, I'm clearly. Well, William just takes a hold of your shoulders and tries to be kind of generous about it and speaks words to calm you down, and then goes back through to the kitchen and starts putting on another couple of pancakes. <laughs> Thompson's freaking out right now. <laughs> and then as um, he leaves, I'm, I'm going to turn to Tommy. I'm like, don't let him feed him any pancakes. Don't trust that one. <laughs> don't trust him. Good walk. Or you don't trust who? My pancakes. <laughs> don't trust him. What's he talking about, William? Uh, Thompson's think- calling me. He doesn't trust anybody. <laughs> Right, so William realised what's going on, and William says, can I have a word with you, Tommy? And he maybe wants to take you aside a bit and says, the professor has completely lost it. I think he knocked his pancakes off on purpose. (laughs) So maybe you try and calm him down. I'll make Mr. Hawk some pancakes, and we'll get all this. We'll get through this. Um, That is when the phone rings. Bring. Amelia kind of perks up when she hears it. Um, I kind of jump like I'm startled. Who is, there, is there a phone in the bedroom? Yes, there is. Hello? Can you reach it? <laughs> Hello? Mr. Hawk? Yes. It's the voice of Guy Jules. Really? Yeah. I thought he was dead. Guy Jules? No, he's definitely not dead. That'd be, I mean, that would be an unfortunate. Wait, who is Guy Jules? Guy Jules is the uh, the owner, the, the the president of the Arcane Society in. Uh, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Who did you think, think it was? I thought Giles. it was the guy that was back in the office that. Uh, oh, Giles. Harrison Giles. Yeah. Okay. Um, he says, "No, I'm not dead." Uh, <laughs> he's uh, but he's he's a little. I wouldn't say frantic, but he's a little all over the place. And he says, uh, I called the, the hotel and they said, you know, that you'd be here. Just an excuse to have him be able to contact you. Um, I'm wondering, is it possible for you to come to my place so we can meet and we can, we, we can talk? What's I, I, it concerning? It's concerning everything. It's concerning all of this. And he, he sounds very, like I said, all over the place. Not frantic, not like he's afraid, but like he's like scatterbrained. Uh, and you can hear like papers rustling and he says, I'm trying to figure this out. I'm trying to look into this. You know, you, 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 you tell me all these things and it just got my mind thinking. So I just, I, I started, started looking and, I, and I've got stuff. Uh, so uh, I called Emma and uh, uh, she's coming over. Uh, Kaus, he doesn't want to come over. He, he thinks, he thinks that, uh, that this is all crazy, but I know it's not crazy. And I know that you believe me. So 
Where do you need us to come? Just my apartment. Uh, do you have a pen and paper? Uh, sure. Go ahead. He lists off some address in North Manhattan. All right. Um, um, says, I'll see if I can convince everybody to come. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. And then he hangs up. All right. Bye. So I, I get up and I walk over to the door and I, I walk out the door and I hand them the paper and I say, uh, Guy Jules says that we need to come and meet him at his apartment. Yes. He walks out oh, and hands you a piece of paper. Handcuffs. Piece of cake. Yeah, you can see that they're on the floor by the radiator. Oh, no, well, they're in my pocket. <laughs> oh, what about the matches? Did you leave the matches on the floor as evidence? Well, I didn't. I left a match, probably. Okay, so there's a single match by the radiator. Yeah. It's not like up against the radiator. No, no, it's just kind of like on the floor. What, did he burn ones? Wooden handcuffs? No, I used the, the, the matches in the drawer that I got to, and I picked the lock on the handcuffs. Piece of cake. And since I'm not attacking you, I'll assume that you're not going to attack me. What the hell? There's pancakes all over the floor. <laughs> yeah, he dropped them. But William looks directly at Hawk and then looks at the professor. All right, Guy Jules needs us. He says he's got a whole bunch of stuff to tell us, which he couldn't tell us over the phone, so he'll probably be dead when we get there. Yep. So we got to get there quickly so that he's not dead when we get there. Um, um, Amelia, as soon as you come into view, kind of stands up and she just kind of puts her hands in front of her um, and just kind of looks at you, Hawk. She like like that like what was like what was said uh, in Mirror Mirror. She kind of has a a, a a reverence for you. You're the one that pulled her out of there. You're the only one who who pulled her out of there. So okay. Thompson was too injured and Hi, Amelia. Trent just ran away. Um, um, at, in in sort of a passing move, I'm going to take my gun and I'm going to put it into Tommy's hands. And I say, maybe you should hold on to this for me for a while, just in case. Sorry, I missed that. You're handing me your gun? Yes. yes. Yeah, okay. So that I'm not armed if I'm possessed or something. All right. Um, and I look back in the room and I go, let's just leave, leave Dexter here. <laughs> He'll figure it out when he wakes. He'll be all right. I'll take Dexter's gun while he's knocked out. Okay. You you now have a gun. Um, I'll take your shoes. <laughs> Amelia kind of looks over everybody, um, and she smiles and says, "What would you like me to do?" Well, why don't you come with us now? If what Tommy, did you tell us all about what uh, Baxter had said in the? She, he told her. He told her basically everything. Um, not the full stuff, but he was like, I'm not in trouble. He's not well, my I'm lawyer. Just, I'm just wanting to understand if, do I under, do, does my character understand that the guy that Tommy went to see has threatened Amelia, and that's probably why she's here, to show us his ability to get to Amelia. 
yeah, so you can make that's a safe assumption that this is all kind of just like proof that, oh, I can get to her. What makes you think I can't get to Felix's mother or right. Hawk's former secretary right. or William's family or Mr. Thompson's mentor, uh, Professor Baxter? Like, what makes you think I can't do all of these things? I've made a stupid mistake. I should have told Guy Jules to meet us somewhere random. Instead, we're going to his apartment. He's going to be dead for sure. Let's go. Amelia, you come with us. You're, you're safest in our hands. Should we bring the Tommy gun? That's the base. <laughs> let's, let's put the gun in the trunk. William brings the Tommy gun. Okay, so Tommy's Tommy is coming and it's being put in the trunk. Um, I have Amelia's character sheet here. So she will be of, of, of value as okay. a companion. Amelia, um, where, Amelia, where were you? Were you in the city? She shakes her head and says, I was in uh, Miskatonic when I got the call. Um, but she kind of puts her hand up and says, I, I took a sabbatical because I thought that you were in trouble. I thought that you were possibly in jail or that you gotten off, you know, you were on bail, which is what Mr. Baxter said. He said that you were being looked at for a murder, the murder of Harrison Giles. You were seen by his apartment or something like that, and you were looking into something. There was a whole lot that he told me, but I just, I, I took a sabbatical, but to be completely honest, I needed to. The, the current uh, head of the department, now that uh, they, they've begun filling the position that Professor Leader had, Head of the history, uh, head of the Department of History, and uh, the woman that they've replaced him with is kind of a hard ass. Professor Keith is, and she puts up a hand. Um, wait, sorry, just one more thing. Um, if I'm reading too much into this, Thomas, just tell me. But I'm just mm -hmm. curious the timing of this whole thing. Yes. So that's what. How did she? Like we've only been here for about what the night or? Yeah. So she must have gotten. Yeah. So she must have. She took the last train, and then they drove down here. It's about a six-hour trip, and then she got off, came. Okay. She didn't teleport. The question was, is, did she get the call from Baxter before your meeting with Baxter? No, she got it after. Okay. And then she came down. And in not the early morning, but in the morning, met with Baxter, who was like, yeah, all this stuff, like he's being looked at. You can find him here. How did Baxter know that we would be at Dexter Fowler's? That's, that's a good question. Unless he followed you here. Well, it suggests that he's got eyes on us, you know, somebody's keeping an eye on us. And, and I think really, uh, it was said kind of earlier that it's almost a threat to Tommy. Look, right. You know, all right, well, let's let's go to see if we can find Guy, but let's do it in a roundabout way so that if there is somebody watching us or following us, they won't find us. They won't. We're going to lose them. Lots of subways and walking. And going into buildings and then out back doors and then in sure. other doors and out other doors. You know. All right. Well, we will say that while you're taking the eight train, you know, it's begun, you've begun your maneuvers. You know, you've been doing this for about 25 minutes. 
you're getting there, you're on your way, but you're standing on the platform at the eight train and you, you're just standing there waiting for the train to arrive. Uh, people are kind of all around you and you hear footsteps coming down the steps, down into the, the, the station. And you hear, it took it, it took them all. And you just see this guy come down the steps completely naked. Big scraggle beard, matted, gross hair, just covered in like grime. And he's got like a crazed, wild look in his eyes. And he says, it took it, the monster took them all. And he's reaching out to people as they, as they, he walks by and you can say they kind of like immediately rush away because it's just a naked, crazed man. There's no like guards or uh, there are anywhere. Um, I go, I do a security and uh, and security is kind of you know walking towards him, uh, and he says, uh, "The monster took my clothes," and he reaches out towards um, some people, uh, and, and and he's he's like, "I need give me something." the Frankenstein monster took my clothes and you can clearly tell that he's kind of slurring his words and he's kind of stumbling. Um, I'm doing a compassion roll. Um, give me your compassion roll. I got a 20. I'm going to take off my outer jacket. Okay. Does he look insane like a street person or does he just look like somebody who's been mugged? He looks like a street person. Oh, well, so much for compassion. Um, I don't want to give him my good. If he's just a drunk, crazy person, I think I'll let the security take care of him. Okay. But. Um, and uh, security does come up to him and they're like, come, come with us, sir. Um, and you can just get smell the odor of, you know, just B.O. and booze. And he's just saying, it told me to take them off. It needed them. It came to me. It told me to take my clothes. <laughs> That's a lightly story. <laughs> well, even if it did, uh, whatever monster or Frankenstein creature it is, it's got bad taste in clothes. It just <laughs> robbed somebody from Manhattan and gotten some nice clothes to wear. Yeah, as, he's, as they're kind of carrying him up the stairs, uh, he says, uh, it was covered in blood. The Frankenstein's monster was covered in blood. It wanted my clothes. And that's the last of that. Well, that'll stand out like a sore thumb in any, uh, even in New York. William turns to Tommy and says, kind of quietly, because he doesn't want the professor going off on one again. Um, could he be talking about the beast? Probably. I know. I don't know. There's so much. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Poor Thomas over there, super confused. <laughs> he could just be. And I'm starting to like. Who do I even talk to now? I can't pull somebody aside to talk to because Professor's crazy. William's dead. Hawk's possessed. Where? Where? Is He's right there. I'm standing in front of you. Wait, Tommy. Have you lost it as well? This is this is crazy. Come on, come on, we'll make some pancakes and move on. Tommy is the most normal yeah, one out of them. 
the 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 clothes that this this dead <laughs> this this naked person had been wearing were they by chance uh, herringbone and red red herringbone? <laughs> definitely not red herringbone. <laughs> um, we'll see. You'll see. All right. <laughs> okay, let's get moving to this um, uh, guy's place. So yeah, a guy named Good Guy. A guy named Guy. Luckily, his name's Guy, so you can just call him. Let's just go to that guy's place. All right. So you get up to Guy's apartment. Um, semantics. Let's just skip over that. Um, Emma is there already. She's kind of sitting there on a couch, just kind of meekly, just listening to Guy as he kind of rambles. It looks like Guy hasn't slept. Looks like Guy hasn't slept since yesterday. Um, Who's Emma again? Emma was like an administrator at the Arcane Society. The only three people really left at the Arcane Society in New York is Guy, Kaus, and Emma. So she'd be like in charge of like the roster. Yeah, Emma, uh, Emma Kim. Oh, I think I was thinking Kim actually. No, yeah, no. Okay. She is she is uh, Chinese. So. Um, Emma, um, all right, guy. I mean, Emma goes, all right, all right, sit, 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 sit down. His walls are covered. Now he's got, on his walls, he's got like chalkboards and he's written out things and he's, uh, he's written all over them, all these different big words and, and everything. He says, all right. Okay. Let's walk through this. First. Yes. I'm going to go get a spare chair and I'm going to wedge it underneath the doorknob of the front door so that somebody can't just come busting in all of a sudden. And as soon as you do that, he, he snaps. He's like, good thinking. Good thinking. All right. If there's one of those little chain things. I'll put that on there too. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, there's a chain. There's a lock. You've got the door there. Uh, and he goes, now, you're all here. I, I don't know you. And he points at Amelia. But if she's with you. And I, I look over at Tommy and I go, <laughs> you're going to shoot anybody who breaks through that damn door. I thought for a second you were telling me to shoot Amelia. Or any crazy birds that come flying through that damn window over there. I saw him do this when I said Amelia. So That's what I did. I was like, whoa, bro. <laughs> <laughs> this is we're in public. Um, and he goes uh, after the break-in yesterday, yesterday morning. I locked myself in here, and I started thinking. First, I have determined that whoever came to the Arcane Society knew what was behind the vault door. That's nothing else. Obvious. Nothing was stolen. The locks to the vault were damaged. They were headed straight to the vault. They knew it was inside. Because of, and because of these, I've determined it was the cult. The cult orchestrated the break-in. Time out. Yes. Uh, what did we do with the medallion? Did you bring it with you, or did you leave it at Fowler's place? It's in my pocket. Okay. But I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was in a timeout that you asked me. 
Yes. I, well, I had yeah. a complete conversation with Thomas while you guys were yes. throwing pancakes around. Yes, we, we did have private chats. He does have the, the medallion. Let's not metagame. Um, the cult orchestrated the break-in. They knew what was behind the door. They're the only ones that make sense. So, second point. It's obvious that Timothy and Tally were seeing each other, either for romantic reasons or for something else. Oh, they knew each other. Yes. First, Timothy disappears, transferring money to Tally for some reason. Timothy is connected to the corruption at City Hall, which also links to George Fulton. Fulton is a member of the Atlantic Sea Partners who offered money to us. Once Timothy disappeared, Tally also disappeared. Because of this, I believe that George Fulton and maybe all of the Atlantic Sea Partners are part of the secret cult. If the cult is also somehow connected to the corruption at City Hall, Timothy was most likely caught up in all of it. He probably believes he was being followed by the cult and sent Tally money to get her out of town. He probably believes he was being followed and sent that money, okay, uh, before he could get out of town. Before he could get out of town, he was abducted and told the cult where to find Tally. They then kidnapped Tally, who for some reason has something that the cult clearly wants. They get to Timothy to get to Tally. My, my current theory, and he points up at the, at the board, my current theory is that it's because she knows what's inside the vault. Hawk pointed it out when he first showed up in the vault. The only people that really know what's inside the vault are Kaus and Tally. And Emma and you. But we don't know what's inside of these things. Really, only Kaus, who, has, who watches over the vault, and Tally, who translated them for, fur, for further study, know what's really inside. So Boy, you people were irresponsible. And he kind of waves his hand. So what they want is inside the vault. And now Guy wants to buy the building. And further, George, George eh, yes, George wants to buy the building. So I've also managed to find two other things, two other things. He then draws a symbol. It looks like the letter Z with two symbols, two smaller symbols at either end. Um, and he turns to you and he points and he says, do any of you know what this is? Can I roll? Can we roll a cow, a cow, or something else? Or a Cthulhu um, mythos. Cthulhu mythos would probably do it. Twenty out of thirty-three. Um, the symbols clearly look like maybe something like arcane, something like maybe Aklo. Is I have no idea what this symbol is, but. It was carved with a knife into Tally's front door frame. It was up on the top. You could barely see it. You had to be looking for it. But it was there. Carved in with a knife. And I know it wasn't made by Tally. I've been in that house before and I've never seen anything like that before. Would you have noticed it? How big is this symbol? 
Very small. How would you have noticed it had you not been looking for it? How did you notice it? Yeah. I went after I figured all this out and I stayed there all night. I was looking all night. The only room I didn't go into was that room. And he kind of, that room. I did not go into that room. So I was looking. I was perusing. Uh, there was there was the, the claw marks on marks on the floor. There was the, 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 the there was the papers upstairs. There was the, the broken salt line. Now, if someone broke in, did they break in with a pick? Yes. Did they do anything else to the door? Yes. They carved something in with a knife, and I don't know what this is. And he points at it. I have no idea what this is. And if you don't know either, what it's used for, what its purpose is. Then the cult put it there. Well, can we do a, a Cthulhu Mythos roll on it? Uh, with with your limited knowledge, all you know is that the symbol symbols are arcane in nature, most likely Aklo. Right, that's it. That's it for now. With that, you may be able to do more research into it once you're done here. Okay. Does he have any books on Aklo? Well, I guess not. He. That he'd never seen it before, so no. But you may be able to do some research. Um, remember that you have the key to the Columbia Library, so you can go at any time. Um, Aklo is one of those languages that's probably taught person to person. There's no book on it. It's the second thing. The second thing I found was I was digging through my notes. And he points at Emma, and it goes, a name by jo Gordon Ambrose. He used to be, I have a crazy weird eye. <laughs> Gordon Ambrose used to be a member of the Arcane Society. He went on several investigations. He was with our Arcane Society. He was one of the first people to bring the attention to those people, those, those agents I mentioned uh, on, on some investigations. He brought that to my attention. He was one of the first. He then turns and kind of rifles through his desk and he puts a, a very small newspaper article on the table and he slides it over to Emma. And Emma picks it up and she kind of skims it and she looks up and says, this article says that Gordon Ambrose disappeared three days ago. And he just begins doing this. And he says, police have no solid leads. And he was buried, buried on the seventh page. They have no leads other than he was taking the end train towards Coney Island. And then he begins writing names. What's on the first page? Oh, he he doesn't have the first, but he, he cut it out. Um, but if, it, 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 you know, this is a recent newspaper article. It's right. the first page is something like, you know, baseball was great this week. Well, this is still during the, the, the uh, Depression, so it would probably be more about the, the time, <laughs> which would probably take precedence over the disappearance of some random person in yes. the city. So yes. this is the reason why I'm asking. Um, if it's buried, it's buried because the news, you know, I guess the news newspaper uh, news reporters would probably 
do not find that as important to most people as, say, the economy. But it got me thinking. I started looking through, and he begins writing names up on the chalkboard. Lisa Marie Canmore, Bennett Stroman, Alan Astin, Ernest Hobbs, Gordon Ambrose. Hobbs. Isn't that, the, isn't that the bloke that had the, uh, the witch trial books? Ernest Hobbs was, um, oh my God, what comes around? He was Simon's character. Simon was in this game? What Comes Around. Ernest Hobbs was a character that was in your game, What mm -hmm. Comes Around, about Arcane Society members who were investigating uh, yeah. the, the explosion. Um, and he goes... Who was... Quick question. This is sort of outside. Who was... I, yes. thought, the, I thought the Hobbs estate was the... Was it Hobbs or Cobbs? The Cobbs. Cobb Estate. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hobbs was the one involved with Lenora looking for that werewolf-looking creature, the Russian. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yes. Um, and and he and you guys. So you Hawk and and Thompson would know Hobbs' name. And he points and he says, "Do you know what all these people have in common? They're all Arcane Society members. These five. New York, that one, Arkham, and they've all gone missing in the last month and a half with barely any press related to them, and police have no idea where they've gone, just like Timothy and Tally. Yeah, but Mr. Fulton, I mean, Mr. Uh, Mr. Jules, people go missing all the time, and that just means that they're on a trip or a vacation. If Mr. If, if Mr. Gordon Ambrose disappeared three days ago, why is there even a newspaper article? Because his wife reported him missing. Why would why, he leave? Why would there be a newspaper article? They they wouldn't have they 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 might barely start looking for him by this point. He he kind of waves his hands and says, that's not important. The important part is is that they're all Arcane Society members who have all been reporting missing in the last month and a half. So what I'm certain of is Timothy was kidnapped by the cult, possibly due to his involvement in the mess at City Hall or his connection with Tally, or both. Tally was kidnapped by the cult due to her knowledge of the Arcane Society's vault or maybe her abilities. The cult is being led by George Fulton or maybe the, the Atlantic Sea partners. George Fulton is the one orchestrating the Arcane Society buyout for some reason. The cult, through George Fulton, is the root cause for the corruption in City Hall. They're the ones who are changing the district lines. You're the ones that mentioned that to me when we first started this whole mess. The cult has tried breaking into the Arcane Society and the cult is now abducting Arcane Society members for some reason. I believe that now not only are Timothy and Tally in danger, but these people are too. The cult is planning something, and it's planning something huge. They're Why haven't they grabbed you? He shrugs. I, I look up for the wall. Do, do I see uh, 
I'm, I'm just trying to double check and make sure that Lenore Clark's name isn't up there. No, Lenore is not up there. All right, preferably if his theory is correct. Well, Lenore has been missing for a long time. Yes, she she went to the depths. Well, we don't know that. No, no, what happened? Um, In fact, we might even suspect that uh, there was a good deal of speculation that Hobbes might have been involved in her murder. And that may be the connection. I'm not sure, but they're obvious. They're becoming more obvious in their actions. They're they're more cocky in their approach. Well, so far we haven't found any evidence of their existence. He then uh, he then says, well, "I thought that you were being threatened." Well, we're being threatened by a lawyer. He then kind of looks at Emma, and Emma kind of just shakes her head. And uh, Guy just kind of sighs, and he kind of plops into a, a chair. He looks defeated. We had a very strange encounter under the Brooklyn Bridge, was it? Uh, yes. But... And we've had some very strange things going on around us. Um, I'm not sure that our... I'm not sure that our direction is clear. What do you think, Tommy, um, William, Henry? Uh, We came here to investigate something by Mr. Tucker's brother. He was murdered. Then, the, then, then we found out that uh, Mr. Tucker and Tally were missing. As far as why we know, it was a lover's tryst, and they just ran away together. We got all involved in, in this government sort of stuff, and we keep finding things and getting messages and running around the countryside. I, I, sometimes I have a feeling that we're just being distracted from something much bigger that's going on. That could be the case. I mean, and and I I turned to Guy and I'm like, it's not that we don't believe you. It's that we want to make sure that we're on the right track. We don't want to go in one direction and be completely wrong and this cult gets the upper hand. Emma, how long have you been uh, working for the Arcane Society or been a member? As long as it's been open, so about seven, eight years. Have you done a lot of research into artifacts and things like that? I've done a little bit, but that's mainly Kaus's focus. Amelia, and I look over at her. Are you, uh, how much research have you done into uh, artifacts and odd object art and stuff like that? She sighs and says, well, that was mainly um, what me and Mr. Leader were doing, evaluating pieces of uh, historical value, art pieces and, uh, and, and uh, pictures and portraits, the, the crimson letters, of course, a document. Have um, you ever seen anything like this? And I lay the amulet onto the table. As soon as you do that, guy's eyes just like grow wide. 
And um, Guy, do you know something about this object? He then says, he's, he, he kind of shakes his head and looks at you and says, where did you find this, though? Never mind about that. Emma then kind of raises an eyebrow and says, that's clearly from the Asia, from the pan, uh, from pan Asia. Yeah, and my guess is probably China. She nods. Considering the, the dragons. And she begins um, kind of like looking at some of the, the dragons and she's looking at fine details within them. And she's saying it, it, it's very ancient Chinese here. And she's pointing at the dragons, like the, the, their bodies. Um, so it's very fine. It's very difficult to make out. And Amelia then kind of leans over. Let's make her do a roll. I'd suggest you don't touch it directly. She nods and she looks. Let me find my little thing. Where is it? I look over at Tommy, uh, Tommy William and uh, Henry and say, I may be cursed. <laughs> but I say it with a smile on my face. Um, give me one second. I'm just pulling up um, some dates here. So Emma looks up and she says, well, this was very clearly made during the Zhao dynasty, uh, 500 BC. You can tell in the, in the details here, and she's kind of, kind of going over the dragon. Um, it's not as fine as later dynasties, but it's, it's definitely of the quality and due to the aging, I would say, Easily anywhere between 500 or 400 BC. Can you read the text, Amelia? Um, she says the big text I can't make out, and she looks at Emma and she shakes her head and says, "This is that's not Chinese." Can you guess the purpose of such an object? Have you ever seen anything like it in a museum? And uh, and Amelia that uh, she kind of uh, says, "I've seen things like it." Um, head of scepters mainly. And Guy then moves forward and says, this is very close to a scepter's top um, used by sorcerers and the like, royal imperial sorcerers. And, uh, and he begins looking over, like they're all huddled. Mm -hmm. um, and he says, I've seen these and he begins kind of looking at the, the bigger symbols and says, uh, we, they, they call it the first language. It's something that developed maybe in Nepal, um, in that region. It's a dead language as far as I know, but I can tell that these markings here, they're, they're, they're mimicking of Shino-Asian. It's like, it's like all language uh, in that region kind of devolved. This is kind of a mashup of all of them. All right. Like a proto-language. Okay. He nods and he says, there are, there are theories that uh, the, the, the proto-Thai or maybe the, the proto-Indo um, kind of developed the, the language that then spread out, exploded throughout this region. 
but this is this language is very old. It would probably been dead thousands of years before this. We'd have to find a real expert, which would be and probably it, pretty hard to find. Maybe one in the country. Says, well, there is a. Uh, I believe there is one. Um, what is his name? Robert Morris. He's a professor of uh, Oriental history and prehistory over at Columbia. Um, maybe he can help. I know he's written several books about uh, about the region and the history and even the prehistory, as I mentioned. Um, Emma then begins kind of, she's very finally looking at the lettering on the dragons. And she says, the dragons, the text matches on both sides. Um, and it reads something like, knowledge is the gate to the key. And she, she kind of shrugs and says, this is the best I can give. Knowledge is the gate to the key. Can we say that the, 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 the key words there sort of raise a little bit of, because I have done some research. Yeah, and I mean, she also says that the key, gate isn't, you know, it's not a, it, the gate is not the proper noun. Key is a proper noun, as she's saying. She's like, look at the detail here. Key is proper. Key is capital. So, yes. Warning signs would go off in everybody who has Cthulhu Mythos. So go ahead and give me rolls. 76. Got 21, which is a pass for me. He is the gate and he is the key. Right. It sounds like the Necronomicon. Yep. And this would date mm, around the same time, if I'm getting my dates correct. No. No? I think that uh, Necronomicon sometime around the 6th or 7th century AD. Oh, so this predates it. Yeah. So... Hmm. It doesn't mean the revelation hasn't come to other people in other cultures. All right. And, well, and Emma looks up at you, and she does say, uh, and she and she says the exact same thing you said. It's very similar. The, the key is very similar to what's read in the Necronomicon. They are they are familiar. Let's decide what we're going to do next. And I look over at Guy and I say, we're investigators. So I think that it's very prudent that we look deeper into George Fulton uh, with the precaution that he might be, as you say, the leader of a cult. And he just raises his hands and he just goes, oh my God, thank you. He, 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 it's, like, it's validation. And Emma then looks up at you, Hawk, and says, but where exactly did you find this? This is probably a one-of-a-kind artifact with detail 
And she looks at uh, Amelia and she says, you say that this is from the fifth century, but the, the level of detail on some of these pieces couldn't have been done. And Amelia goes, well, if you look here, it's similar. And the dating, the way the, the way that the metal has aged is very clear that this, you know, probably somewhere in the early stages of the BCs or the, I guess the late stages, early eighties. Well, that's a long story and it's not really important. It was an artifact that we managed to keep the, the bad guys from getting a hold of. And guy smiles and goes, we're the bad guys. And he kind of holds his hands out. Thugs. And he kind of smiles because he, he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm vindicated. I'm validated. I'm not crazy. Um, maybe. Don't, don't, don't count your chickens yet. You might be crazy. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll see. Emma then says, well, do you have any leads to go off of right now about Mr. Fulton? Well, there are things on our list. Uh, uh, is it the Berman canneries? Berman canneries, that is correct. We were going to look into that. There was also the Mason's Lodge. Mason's Lodge. We've, we've had a, a, a kind of a threat. The threat is towards, uh, the threat was given to Tommy in the form of somebody hurting Amelia. And then they proved to us their power by uh, getting a hold of me, of Amelia and getting her here to us. But she says, uh, the man, Mr. Baxter, and when she says that guy and Emma kind of look at each other because they've been dealing with Baxter about buying the uh, Arcane Society. Um, he told me that Tommy was in trouble, that, that there was something wrong, and that I needed to come down and speak with them and see Tommy so that we could figure it out. Clearly, and she kind of looks at the medallion, it's a lot more complicated than I uh, anticipated. If the text that uh, Kaus has in the uh, in the vault is in fact something akin to the Necronomicon. I don't think that his uh, precautions are safe enough. I think we need to get that out of there and to a safe location. And Guy then nods and says, we can get these things all loaded up and out of here probably by two days tomorrow something like that tomorrow night yeah i think that we need to make sure we have the uh arcane society's help and he nods and says well i'll make direct contact with them and and we'll organize something we, we've got to get this thing, this stuff out of here as a matter of interest does the vault or the arcane society's collection include a staff that could and, really... and she nods, Emma nods and says, uh, yes, um, let me pull it up because it was on my, it was on my thing. Where is it? Uh, she has a computer. She's a witch. 
yeah. Her, she becomes Thomas and sits there at the desk with her beard and goes, all right, I'm, let, me, let me look. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, we have something, uh, the, the, the staff of Hyper, HIPAA. I'm, one, I'm, one, I'm wondering if this symbolism could be similar to our disc. And uh, it's, it's it's similar, but the but um, but this is very clearly uh, from the uh, from China, maybe Mongolia, from from Tibet, something along that region. While the, st the staff of uh, of HIPAA was uh, very clearly made in the Mediterranean, so there are similarities between them, but different regions and different times. It was a long shot, but I just wondered if there was a connection between the artifacts. Something else comes to mind. Hmm. New York City is a big city. Are there any collections of Chinese artifacts in the city, at the museum? Uh, he, uh, he says, well, I know that Mr. Robert Morris, he has um, quite a sizable personal collection. Um, it's his it's his, both his study of field and his, his personal interest. Um, Lisa Marie Canamore, and he points at the name, uh, she was an appraiser for the Anderson Auction House in Manhattan, but that closed down. Um, but I don't know if she may have had some connection or knowledge of, of stuff like this, and that's why they took her, I don't know. Why don't we go straight to this guy who might be able to throw some light on the artifact that Hawk's got? Uh, um, Robert Morris? Mm. I think that we need to be careful. What if he's the leader of the cult? After all, he's interested in Chinese artifacts. and Although, mm, yeah, but he seems to be more of an expert than anybody else. Why I don't, don't we try to do something like is it possible probably not to do some sort of rubbing on the uh, um, amulet emma and amelia kind of share a, a gaze and amelia says it'd be possible and emma kind of points at the dragon says these bits here they're so fine that you may not be able to get them but these larger pieces that encrust the gem um you'd be able to get those. And then this symbol in here, and she points through the gem at that large symbol that you can kind of see through. Um, she says, we'd have to remove the gem and that would mean destroying the entire artifact. What if, um, has anybody got some art skill that they can, uh, we could take photographs. We could take very clear photographs of it. Uh, as, as soon as you say photographs, Guy shoots up and he like runs deeper into his apartment. And you can hear him like rifling around. Could also, I mean, it, it might be fruitless, but we could also do some research at a library. And yeah, that's true. Any any sort of uh, other artifacts similar to this in history? Yeah, yeah. do it on Chinese magic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great idea. We might find a illustration, maybe, that somebody's right. drawn. And and in comes 
guy with a camera and he unfolds it and it pops out and he sticks it on its little posts um, and he holds it up like this and he says, okay, well, let, let me take a picture of it. Uh, hold it. Okay. Try to get the light nice so that it, it gives good contrast. Yeah. And, uh, and he takes several pictures, the front and the back, and, he's, and he, he looks at you and says, I'll take this down to the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the stock shop and have them print out uh, something so that we can uh, look at it and we can make copies. All right. Well, that's going to take a couple of days, though, isn't it? I may be able to know. I n knew, and he kind of smiles, I knew someone who had a dark room who was part of the Arcane Society. Maybe I can talk to them. If if you can get somebody to do it immediately, it would take just a few hours. Right. Yeah. Um. I'll, I'll have to reach out to him. Um. But we'll see. Uh, and and of course, you have the key, so you can check Low Memorial whenever you like. Uh. And he kind of he's giddy. He's smiling. He's like, oh, like you believe me. That's. If anybody has the skill, we could do like a. A fairly good drawing, something that we could at least show this Robert Morris and say, "Have you ever seen anything like this?" Does anyone have an art skill or a drawing skill? No. No. I believe He's Mick does, but I did not get his character sheet. Okay. Well, it's just an idea. If we have photographs in a couple of hours, yeah, yeah, you'll have it in probably just a few hours. So, what should we do before that? Should we go? See what we can. Let's go to the library. That's a great idea. Okay. Let's go to the library. All right. Tommy, if... are you coming? Sure, yeah. Library use is one of my things. Library use is one of your things. All right. Well, let's go ahead and have everyone give me a library use roll. Okay. So we're at the library. Yes, we're at the library. We're at Low Memorial. I got a pass. I did not. I feel by three, but can I use luck? Um, well, I mean, since one person passed, and that's, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I passed. All right. Tommy? Uh, You're sitting sorry. over there quiet, my friend. Sorry, William, I got an extreme. Oh, damn. All right. I obviously taught you well, Tommy. I taught you well. Here we go, Tommy. <laughs> this is going to be a lot of information, so just, I'm sorry. I'll send this, if you want me to, I can send over everything that I'm about to list off to you. Um, it's a lot. Okay. Tommy. Um, my man. <laughs> my man. You have uncovered a book called... The Transcendence of Yun Khan, The Mute Priest by Robert Morris. Um, through your intense focus, it's the first book you, book you pulled and while everyone else was looking around, you began going through it. Um, by going through it uh, for an hour, you find in the first, you know, 15, 20 pages that the author is talking begins talking about a series of scrolls. These scrolls called the Wixdashi de Han Joyand, which translates to dark teaching teachings of the immortal master, were written by were written by an imprisoned monk 
known only as Yankan, the mute priest. Six scrolls were alleged to have been created, according to the first and only scroll to have ever been recovered. The first scroll details how Yankan came to be. Um, the book is kind of like an analysis, a translation of the scroll and a scholarly document kind of all mashed into one, all about this one singular scroll. Um, and you can see that in the introductory, it's Robert Morris. Hi, I'm a professor of Oriental history and prehistory here at Columbia University. Yay. Um, through reading the book, you learn some bits from the first scroll's contents. Yankan claims he was once a simple caravan guard, but began following the secretive ways of the Zhao dynasty's royal sorcerer, Lang Fu, the immortal master. According to Yankan, Lang Fu was born of a demigod in a land sunken by the sea and a mere mortal in the Mongolian steppes. Chosen by a god of madness, Lang Fu studied the mystic and dark arts of arcane magic. He was a sorcerer of the Zhao dynasty, thought by the kings to be literally immortal. Um, forming a following, Lang Fu took on an apprentice, Yin Khan, and taught him his knowledge. Yin Khan, however, challenged Lang Fu's control, to which the master sorcerer, according to the scroll, pulled the tongue of Yin Khan with nothing but sheer will. Uh, using his influence with King Ping of Zhao, the Zhao dynasty, Yin Khan was arrested and eventually imprisoned. Whilst imprisoned, Yin Khan prayed to a god opposed to Lang Fu and was presented information by a being of pure light. Yin Khan eventually disappeared from his cell, leaving behind six scrolls and a stone tablet written in an odd, dead language. King Ping of Zhao took these, the scrolls and the tablets, theoretically lost to time until the first scroll was found in the tomb of a late emperor in around, who died around the second century AD. You also have found the symbol that Guy Jules found in Tally's home. According to the first scroll, this symbol has something to do with bridging space. The symbol seen by uh, you all, uh, the, 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 the symbol that's in the, uh, that the, the, the guy started to draw on his chest, because you, by showing Hawk, Hawk's like, oh, that's what he started drawing on his chest. Um, the symbol seen by Hawk, uh, by the man who was, who, who was dying as he was drawing the symbol, uh, in the scroll, it is how the master obtained a mortal life. The medallion, uh, the medallion that Hawk has is directly mentioned. According to the first scroll, the medallion was shown to, to Yin Khan by the source of all things, the being of light that supposedly enlightened Yin Khan. Meda the medallion, at least in the first scroll, is referenced as the vessel of the gods. The sixth scroll supposedly details instructions given to Yin Khan on how to create an intricately designed piece, the medallion. If even one piece is crafted incorrectly, the medallion, quote, will not work. 
And that is what you have found. Hey guys, look at this. <laughs> Jeez. It was Henry's idea. <laughs> Tommy, you're always stealing our thunder. No. Tommy is that good. It's a sign of a good student. Well done, Tommy. Yeah, Thomas, you're going to need to send us all that. I will send you all of that. Yeah, and I and I apologize because I was trying to take notes as write it all down. listening, so it kind of like went in one ear and out the other. Yeah, I started taking notes, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm just going to listen." There's a lot. <laughs> Tommy got an extreme, so I'm giving you everything. Um, we'll we'll, we'll take you out for for tea. This time, somebody <laughs> else can make the tea. But yes, the 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 the, the core is this. There was a guy, he was an immortal sorcerer named Lang Fu. Lang Fu taught, had an apprentice. He taught the apprentice everything. The apprentice betrayed him. The source of all things came to him and said, here's all of my knowledge. And Yin Khan disappeared from his cell and left behind six scrolls and a tablet. And in the sixth scroll, the first scroll is, is his life story and then the sixth scroll is supposedly how to make the medallion. I think, I think we need to observe very carefully this Professor Robert Morris for any bizarre activity um, before we decide whether we're going to trust him enough to show him this. I don't medallion. trust him now. Oh, no, I don't at this point. The, he fact, be... the fact that he wrote this gives me the idea that he's been looking for something like this. And if we bring it to his doorstep. Right, except that you could understand that even if he's a completely innocent person, if he wrote this, of course he's looking for these things. Well, yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean that he has a nefarious purpose. But uh, no, right no. now, let's play it safe. I'm, I'm, I'm operating under under the uh, under the thought of paranoia, and this thing looks like a duck and, and, and quacks like one. So, what if um, we show him a picture? What if, what if we What if we go to show him a picture and he locks the door behind us? And his his. Uh, then he'll never get the object. And but we'll he, know that he's a bad guy. Yeah, but if him and his goons surround us and have us outnumbered and outgunned, he can simply torture us for the... Professor, we have a Tommy gun. And a Tommy. I know we have Tommy here, and I know he's got a gun, but what does that have to do with it? Well, then one of us doesn't go... I definitely think we should do the, the photograph idea. That would that would make sense. One of us doesn't go and keeps the medallion. So if he wants to know oh, where it is, we can shot. honestly say we don't know. Yeah, you're you're the best shot, right? What's that? You're you're the best one with with, with the skill uh, to handle uh, a firearm. So are you saying you would you would keep the medallion? No, what I'm saying here is send somebody like me who has no skill with a firearm and if uh, you don't hear back from me in, say, a few hours, you know where I'm going and you just come in guns blazing. 
So I'm Thompson sorry. wants to go meet with Robert Morris himself, and then if something goes wrong, you can storm. Yeah, I would happily go as well. What if he tortures you? As you said. Well, hopefully you you uh, you show up sooner than later. I'm also going to retcon one thing. Uh, Guy also gave you the addresses of everybody who was missing. Yeah. Well, I'm more inclined to say one of you takes the medallion and hides it somewhere. That person does not come with us. And that way, if... What if we were to put it in a safety deposit box? Once again, the idea is that we don't know where it is. So if this Robert Morris tries to use some method to mm. coerce us into telling him, we won't know where it is. We won't be able to tell him. Well, I would be willing to take it and hide it somewhere. So what you're suggesting is that the, par the party don't know? Tommy seems to be the, the one that hasn't lost his senses. Why don't we let the professional magician hide it somewhere? That's a great idea. It, it is. He's such a professional, we haven't seen him. You haven't seen him in, in three weeks. He's right That's here. How Wait. Where'd he go? Is he in the closet? <laughs> <laughs> if only. <laughs> um, but that makes sense. A magician could hide it somewhere. Okay. So He would be Felix the most will, clever at hiding it. Felix is going to run away with the Italian. Um, okay. Everybody else, are you going to meet with Robert Morris? Well, we get, we're waiting for the picture to get back. Yeah. Okay. Um, and we'll say that Guy, it, this is his work. So Guy meets you there and he hands you a manila folder and he says, here's the, I just threw something. Here's the, uh, here's the pictures. And okay. he, yes. he, now, here's the thing, because we've, we've taken pictures as opposed to drawing it, if he is the bad guy, he's going to automatically suspect that we have it. And he'll probably Unless, send their goons after us, in which case we'll know he's the bad guy. Right. Now... Or we just say that somebody sent us the photographs from right. elsewhere. We can, we, can, we can say that we've been investigating the disappearance of some artifact from some rich whoever. Well, and, um, they've given us a photograph of it. He's probably not an idiot. We'll just we'll just say we're not going to answer those questions. Where we got? The okay, I'll let you, I mean, you're, you're you're the best at this. So. Could we also could we also write down on a piece of paper? Can we try to copy the, the characters that are so small they're hard to see? Yeah, you could try. It may not be exact, but it's an attempt. Yeah. Okay. okay. Just so that if he does just analyze it for us, then... Yeah. All right. He's going to freak, because this is part of his right. thing. So... Um, oh, but wait a minute. Um because we've seen this, I mean, all these symbols are in the, the book that uh, Tommy found, right? Is it possible for us to uh, borrow this book? Uh, yeah, Guy would allow you to borrow the book. Yeah, so so instead of bringing the picture, we can, and worrying about 
getting it developed and having to wait a few hours for that. We can just bring this book in. Well, there's no picture in the book. I thought it was the pictures of the, the, um, that Z symbol. Oh. That's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm referring to. Well, we still need the pictures of the uh, artifact so that Robert can see it. There's something else. Now you were talking about coming up with a good, good story. I can think of a really good story. There were representatives from a library, from a, a, a museum elsewhere in the country. Right. Yeah. That makes total sense. We don't have it with us. Of course, we didn't bring it with us, but we brought some pictures. Why did we go to him? Because he's the expert. Right. That works. And that way he might think that the object is actually in Houston, Texas. And if he is the evil cult leader, he's going to go fly over to Houston, Texas. <laughs> California. California. All right. Hopefully so that's in the earthquake somewhere. So is that your guys' plan? Yeah. Okay. Going and seeing? No, no. If, if um, this doesn't pan out, we'll check out the, those uh, addresses that uh, right. I showed us. We'll do that too, eventually. Yeah, but this seems like a more solid lead. All right. So, First, we're going to call him. Guy Morris. No. Robert uh, Robert Morris. Or Robert Morris, not Guy. Sorry, I'm getting my names mixed up. Um, <laughs> and make an appointment, you know. Okay. Well, he is in his office basically all day. He has no classes. so well, It's as simple as, you know, Mr. Morris, uh, uh, we represent a museum uh, in... Uh, well, that, that's to not to be named, uh, that would like to show you something that we think that you might have an understanding of. And we could sound all very cryptic. And he says, well, if you have something that's of interest to me, by all means, come down. Uh, I, uh, I will be waiting. I will be expecting all right. you. All right. So that's what we're going to do. All right. Appointment has been made. You are on your way to Robert Morris's um, let's let's before we enter let's let's drive around the building, see um, if there's anybody sort of posted out there, somebody that might look suspicious. Okay. It's a university, so. But I mean, like somebody that doesn't seem like they're supposed to be there, like a goon. Yeah. Okay. Well, I can do, tell you this without doing any spot hiddens. There's no goons, no nothing. Okay. What about that kid with his his um his hair out of? Out of shape. He's wearing shorts. And it's winter time, isn't it? Yeah, it's well, it's it's kind of spring, a little bit. Oh. Well, um, you know what? He doesn't look right. So I'll beat gonna, him over the head with a cane. Wear pants. Get out of here. Yeah. All right. So, you approach Robert Morris's door. We're gonna say Hawk opens it. Um, the office is meager. It's got two bookshelves. You can see that there's like a dresser with, uh, with some ornaments all over it. Some, uh, some, some ancient Chinese artifacts of just kind of dinky nature. Um, he sits at a desk uh, and he kind of writes and he looks up and he says, gentlemen, and he kind of lifts himself and he lifts himself up and he says, Robert Morris. And he smiles and he holds out his right hand and on his index finger, you see a masonry. Is it on the wrong finger? Wrong it's finger. On the wrong finger. 
Okay, my my thought out of game, my thought on this was originally I'm thinking these guys were pretending they were Masons, but I think they are like a certain sect, uh, you know, or branch or elite. So he's got well, the ring. Pretending to be Masons, they'd put the fake Mason ring on their right on the correct finger. Yeah. So here's, here's a yeah. question for you, um, Tom. The these ring the the, the 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 fingers that they have them on, do they appear on the same finger on each of these uh, these individuals? Or are they on like one is on the ring finger, one is on the pinky finger, one is on the index finger? Yeah, they're they're, they're kind of just like whichever. And you can ask Tommy when he visited uh, uh, Baxter the first time, the ring was on one finger, and then when he visited him the second time, it was on another finger. So it just looks like they're just putting the the ring on and walking. Okay, I thought it might have some sort of significance, meaning no. their hierarchy and their, their cult. Here's an idea, why don't we ask him? And he holds out his hand and says, you guys kind of stand there, blankly. And he says, are you not going to come in? And he gives you a, a wide smile. Uh, says, I, I'm, I pleasantly that's smile. office, by the way. Yeah. I remember and having this about this size when I when I first uh, started in university, and he you know? and he is a younger guy. He's like thirty, um, and he goes, "Well, thank you, uh, my humble abode." And he kind of chuckles and, and leans back in his chair and says, "So, what have you brought me?" Well, I'm not sure. We we were under the impression that you were an expert on uh, ancient Egyptian artifacts. Oh no! I am a, uh, I'm a, uh, an elite scholar, in. Well, that's such a that's, that's a title. And he smiles and says, "Well, my focus is very fo uh, my my focus is very exact when it comes to the specific region and time. Um, I I do a lot of my looking is into uh, ancient artifacts, uh, dating them." Um, and some texts, but does he have anything like in his office, like any sort of smaller artifacts or statuary or something? Yeah, they're on the desks and they're on the bookshelves, but they're nothing Asian like, stuff. Yeah, there's some like there's like a stack of the 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 ancient spade coins and. Okay, I mean, but the, the, do they look genuine or do they look like? Oh, they look genuine. Okay, I'll 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 walk around. As you guys are talking, I'll walk around and take a look at his bookshelf. Henry, you said that he was a that he was an expert on ancient Egypt. Well, that's what uh, what uh, Charles Tate told me. Uh, well, Professor Tate from from uh, Browning University. Brown. I, was, um, I was doing a bit of uh, research of my own in in, in the uh, in some of the ancient uh, Egyptian. Uh, history and anthropology and yeah uh professor tate told me that you were the one well i feel rather embarrassed at this point we came all the way over here um oh i i noticed you're a mason and he looks at this that's uh that's right I and mean, he kind of smiles how do you how does one join that order uh, i find it uh i guess you have to be in an elite uh, I think you have to be asked or invited. Yeah. You have to know somebody. Oh, well. 
perhaps you can put in a word for, for us. If, you know, I've met you. Perhaps. Oh, Henry, you just go on and on. Yeah. See, I, I think that we're, we're going to be wasting your time. We were under I, the wrong I, impression. I, I do apologize. But um, I'll tell you what, uh, perhaps later on in the week, we, I'll, my treat, I'll treat you to a, a, a decent dinner just for this, this inconvenience. We do apologize. And I, I will have to write a strongly worded letter to, to, to Professor Tate about this. And he smiles and he leans back and he says, you do that. You have a good day. It was nice meeting you. Can, can, nice. William, do, can William do a psychology while all of this is going on? Sure. To, to sure, see, is, he, is this guy purposely being kind of like, I know what you guys are up to, or is yeah, it, you, know, you don't need a psychology to do that. Right. It's obvious, and he's like, as you, as Henry, when Henry and Hawk are kind of like doing their bigger thing, he looks over at Tommy with like this, just like with this little, with this little grin, and then when the Hawk talks to him, he kind of looks over, um, but he smiles. Says, you do that, and he just smiles and he leans back in his chair. Mm. Come on, Tommy. William, let's go. Let's not bother this man anymore. Oh, that was disappointing, man. Tommy, get that gun. <laughs> That's an excellent song. So can we leave? You can leave. All right. No one stopped you. And as soon as I saw the ring, I realized, holy shit, we can't divulge. Oh, we can't talk to him. No, but no one stops you. No one is like force pulling you back, and there's no goons with guns. They just let you go. Here's the interesting thing, though. If he is the expert, if he's a genuine expert on this kind of these artifacts and all the rest of it, then he could be a really key person. Why don't we actually abduct him and get information off of him? Or, and I mean, I guess we we are out and away from, from his office. Yeah. Or Hawk and I could take a ride up to uh, Arkham and bring this artifact to the Arcane Society there where things will be more secure. What do you think? Hmm. But out of your hands. Exactly. I kind, of think, I kind of think we might need it. And I kind nope. of think that we don't want to have it with us. And they can go ahead and rip up the city if they want looking for it. It won't be here. I'm kind of leaning towards William's idea. I'm thinking that we could ambush him later tonight when he's leaving and take him to a secure area, get some info out of him. I mean, he's a guy with the knowledge, right? He's got the knowledge. I mean, the other guys might be the crooks, the heavies, the businessmen, but this guy's got the knowledge. We need to be sure, though, that this isn't just some sort of Mason uh, aberration within the Masons locally, and he's just be. some guy, you know? Yeah, but he knows. He knows what we're up to. I mean, that was obvious. Well, unless he said it out loud, we don't absolutely know. We have a strong feeling. So what now? Well, we don't have the we don't have the amulet. We don't even know nope. where it's at. 
What about the other residences of the people that all went missing? Do we want to scout them out? Yeah, we can scout them. Scout them out. If you guys think that he knows why we're here and what we have, I think I think Felix might be in danger right now. These yeah, people he, seem to know everything about us. Where we are, who we are, what we're doing, who we've talked to on the phone five minutes ago, where they live, who their parents and friends are. Thomas, would it be fair to say that Felix has kind of snuck away somewhere and or or would he be vulnerable? Um no, he's not vulnerable, but I, I want to point something out because because uh, Hawk, Tom S. Hawk has pointed this out several times. They know everything about you, and they know all this stuff. They're going far beyond the normal means. So, that's all I'm going to say. Let's have lunch and get ourselves a private spot. Um, and during that lunch, I'll, I'll just lean in and say, once again, we're at a crazy spot. We're at a place where things are just not making normal sense. So I'm gonna say it, do they have some ability to see what we're doing? Like looking in a crystal ball or some nonsense we've like dealt with or a mirror i know we've we've dealt with weird magic before so it's not beyond our it's not beyond the uh if they had tally as a prisoner i have a funny feeling that she would have the ability to know where we are and they might be forcing her to tell them to tell us to tell them where we are and what we're doing. Here's an idea. Why don't we have a seance to do the very same thing? I think what Hawk said just makes a lot of sense. I think they might have Tally. Remember, this is the reason we've got the medallion is because Hawk had a dream, yeah? And that message was sent psychically or whatever we think. So they could actually have Tally and be using her power to kind of spy on us. What if we go back to Tally's house and try to use the room in some way? And see that Z symbol? Did that not have something to do with opening doors or transferring from one place to another? Bridging gaps in space is what it literally translates to. Oh, see, so it's almost like, you know, modern language teleport, you know? There was an incident, gentlemen, that happened in Arkham a number of years ago. Or two incidents, in fact. I remember hearing uh, Professor Hewitt talk about them. Uh, they involved a deity from the other side attempting to bridge the gap between earth and its plane of existence um one of them took place in arkham one of them took place in dunwich as i recall 
I'm wondering if it's the same entity. What entity was that? I don't recall what the name of it was, but in one case, well, in both cases, it was attempting a, a human hybrid of some sort between itself and 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 human beings. Um, there was a Mr. Corbett involved in one of them. I don't recall. Yeah, that was, that was, uh, that was actually uh, Lenora Clark's first un unofficial case. Oh, was she involved in that as well? She was. That's how she, she got involved with the RQ Society. Hmm. Now that's Bing. The door to the diner opens. <laughs> Sorry. You may as well. No. <laughs> In walks George Fulton. Seriously. And he just sits at the bar. And he waves down a, a waitress. Do we know what George Fulton looks like? You've met him. And you, you all saw his photo. And he turns and he sees you. And he kind of feigns surprise and goes, well, I'll be, what are the chances? And he stands up and he kind of walks over. He meanders to your table, says, Mr. Hawk. Mr. Fulton. And who are these gentlemen? And he kind of points at Tommy. Uh, oh, please. Thompson. Don't pretend like you don't know who we all are. And he kind of smiles and says, my apologies. So what are you using? Some sort of a crystal? Uh, some sort of a mirror? And he kind of looks at you with that same smile and he just kind of acts completely surprised. Says, I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. Why the pretense? You seem to know everything about us all the time, what we're doing, where we are. We don't need to know how. Just curious. And he kind of looks up and he shrugs and says, well, I have no idea what you're talking about, but uh, if, and it's a big if, something were happening, if I were uh, in that position uh, for fun. And he just smiles and says, now, you said you were investigating uh, Mr. Tucker, right? I just look at him. I'm like, go on. Well, Mr. Tucker, I, I assume he, had, he, he has that wife. Uh, Samantha, um, which means if you were investigating him, you were probably hired by her. Uh, she's a, you know, uh, I'm sure she's a very nice woman. And like I told you, Mr. Hawk, I want to help you find Mr. Tucker any way I can. So I was thinking about stopping by and talking with her a little bit uh, and maybe fronting the cost of your wonderful services, and he smiles. I'm sure that you all do marvelous work. How long have you been in town? You know. You keep asking us questions. I'm sure you know the answer to them. He kind of just waves his hand and says, well, I'll speak with her tonight about fronting the cost. Uh, 
philanthropy, charity. It's my thing. And he smiles. What are you up to, Mr. Fulton? We're really very curious. We're going to figure it all out eventually anyway. Why not cut out the middleman? And he says, I'm sure you will. But it's very fun watching. And he turns away and he goes back to the bar and sits down and he flags down the waitress again and he begins ordering food. Hey, William, why don't you make him some pancakes? <laughs> I was just thinking that. And Tommy can make, Tommy can make the tea. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to get up. I'm going to look at everybody at my table. I say, and I, I just sort of look at them and I say, think of a random place. And then I go up to where Mr. Fulton is sitting at the, at the thing. And I uh, put my hand on his shoulder and my gun is in his back. And I say, Mr. Fulton, I think you need to come with us, please. And he kind of, and he does the exact face I just made. He kind of lifts his eyebrows and he smiles and says, of course, Mr. Hawk. And I'll walk, uh, let's walk him out to the car. And all right. And he, he says, back seat, Mr. Hawk. Yeah. Right next to me. And he smiles and nods. That would be a good place to call it. <laughs> well, we're going to call it right after this. Okay. I, don't have, I don't have the foggiest clue what the hell I'm doing at this point, but he, we're going to get the other guy as a, as a hostage. Hey, we got this one. As he sits into the car, he says, you have no idea what you're doing. And you have no idea what we're doing. And I have no idea where we're going. Hopefully somebody else came up with that. And he and just sits down to the car. And we'll call it there. Who's driving? Uh, we're all still sitting at the table going. <laughs> <laughs> I'll drive this time. I'm saying to Tommy at the table. Who do you want to go? I'm not sure where I want to go. <laughs> no one stopped him, so this is happening. Get in a fucking car. You're all culpable now. <laughs> Kidnapping a, a millionaire, a millionaire no rockefeller. him at this point. Nobody saw the gun except me. All right. Well, that was that was pretty wild. Our players included Jeff Wilkins, Corey. Well, Corey's not here tonight either. Uh, Ken Trench, Wayne Worthy, and myself with Thomas McKeon as the keeper of the secrets. We're currently producing four shows a week with music and sound effects added in post-production in order to create a richer listener experience. We provide audio-only versions of our shows free for you to download from Podbean or iTunes. One of our patrons, uh, David Baymiller, has upped his donation from $2 to $5. Thank you so much, David, for your generosity. Thanks, David. If you'd like to become a patron, visit our Patreon account. Just a dollar to a month helps us a lot. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel and punch that bell icon for updates on our latest shows. And leave us some comments. We love reading them. 
This is Tom Rayleigh together with all the members of our gaming club inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure into the universe of HP Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Until next time, good luck, good game.